This podcast is brought to you by Voice and Vision, bringing help, hope, and healing to individuals, families, and communities affected by mental illness, addictions, and disabilities in southeastern Pennsylvania. Financial support for this podcast is provided by a Veterans Trust Fund grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans, featuring stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen to hear veterans share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. Hey everybody, welcome into this edition of Untold Valor, Veterans Recovery in Action. Thank you so much as you tune into the podcast to hear stories from uh, veterans and other folks share their unique life story and interest and in things that have happened to them. It's their story of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. We try to share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, overcome the unique adversities that can happen sometimes to our military personnel. So thank you so much for being here and super happy to have a great guest on this week on the episode. Uh, Reverend Ben is not joining me again this week. He is out uh, with some illness, but all the best to him. But we have Andrew Nelson here joining us, who looking forward to talking with Andrew. He was in the Marine Corps for uh, 10 years, a couple of combat tours. So looking forward to talking about his life during the service and after the service. So Andrew, thank you so much for being here. Welcome in. Mark, thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Doing all right? I'm doing well. I am. Uh, it's been a, a fairly busy day, but I'm very excited about the opportunity to sit down and speak with you and reminisce of a little bit of old times in the Marine Corps. <laughs> well, there you <laughs> go. That's good. And hopefully, you know, maybe my story will be able to help somebody. Yeah, that's the point, right? That's exactly why we do this. Uh, so we talk with folks, you know, all walks of life. So we're going to share some things. Let's start. Let's kick it off just nice and simple. Uh, I mentioned that you were in the service for, uh, I guess it's about 10 years. Look, I'm trying to read through your bio here real quick. But just kind of give us a breakdown about you, Andrew. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I joined the Marine Corps. So a uh, funny thing, I initially went into the delayed entry program. When I was in high school okay, and my senior year, I had a, a change of heart and I was like, man, I'm going to college. I okay. don't want to go to a war. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I exited out of the delayed entry program only to really realize that it was destined for me to go on that path. So mm. I was 19. I was working at UPS and I had just actually got off of a shift that didn't go so well. I ended up having to terminate an employee mm. that was uh, I had gotten close with this individual and they made a bad decision. I had to terminate him and this individual had a son on the way. Mm. So that sat with me. And I and I was like, man, is this really the way I want to live the rest of my life? And I ended up waking up that next morning. I went into a recruiter's office. And it's a funny thing, Mark. I was in boot camp like nine days later. Wow, that's quick. It was a really quick situation because I was once in a delayed entry program and uh -huh. didn't ship. My only option for joining was what's called a direct ship. Mm. Okay. So that's why I ended up happening so fast. But I, I got to boot camp in 2006. Um, I was stationed in Lejeune for my first duty station. Shout out to Camp uh, Lejeune. That's right. That's right. I lived in Jacksonville for about 12 years. So I'm with you. Yep. Yep. So I got very familiar with uh, all of the streets. And by all of them, I mean both of them, Western Boulevard and 17. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, there's Western Extension. <laughs> Come on now. And during that time on that in, in uh, Lejeune, I, I got really, really close with a lot of my friends that are still friends with me today. My time That was my time in the barracks. Yeah. Um, I went to Iraq, deployed with 2nd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion. I was in the Western 
Ambar province, I think it is in Iraq. Mm. Man, it's been so many years now, yeah. 16 years. Yeah, time flies. It, it does. Yeah. Um, And so I left Lejeune in 2010, went to Hawaii. I was in Hawaii for three and a half years. From there, I deployed to Afghanistan. I was with HMH 463, so that's a Marine helicopter unit, mm-hmm. heavy lift. Um, the CH-53 Deltas and Echoes is what I flew on as a helicopter gunner. Uh, deployed to Afghanistan. And that's where I would say that I learned probably the most in that duty station about the Marine Corps. And it also is what made the defining difference in my career. Uh, that deployment, because I was a helicopter gunner and I, I didn't have to be, it really propelled me forward. I ended up getting promoted. I was a sergeant at three years and eight months, and I ended up getting promoted to to staff sergeant hmm. um, in just under eight years. And I think largely in result of that time that I was in Hawaii. Uh, got out, left Hawaii in 2013, went to Buford Air Station, where I finished my career and I got out of the Marine Corps. So 10 uh, years? Yep. So it was just, it was nine years and like seven months. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then I did a year in the reserves. I actually did one, one drill in the reserves and I, and I asked, requested that the reserve unit drop me back to the IRR, which means I no longer have to drill anymore. Hmm. Cause I realized I was like, Hey, listen, I got off of active duty and certainly doing it as a reservist was not in the cards for me at that point. I gotcha. And then it looks like you transitioned and, and obviously, you know, thank you for your service and, and to all our veterans out there. But, you know, so you, it looks like you transitioned to working with the Department of Veteran Affairs. I did. So yeah. that was my first job out of the Marine Corps. And, and, and so now I'll start incorporating some of my transitioning. Um, so my first job out of the Marine Corps, thankfully, it was with the Department of Veteran Affairs. I worked as the administrative officer for Washington Crossing National Cemetery and Complex, right? So during that time, we managed all of the the veteran interments for Washington Crossing, which was the largest active veteran cemetery in the Philadelphia metropolitan area. Mm, Okay. And then we also did active interments at Beverly National Cemetery, which was just over the bridge in Jersey. Uh, Fins Point National Cemetery, also in Jersey. Philadelphia National Cemetery. We didn't do interments there anymore, but we would go and do programs because that's one of the historical national cemeteries, as well as the Naval and Sailors Plot in Southwest Philadelphia. So I was the administrative officer for all five of those cemeteries. And what I will say is that that first job out of the Marine Corps, what I didn't realize, even though I had gotten a DD-214, which Mm -hmm. made me administratively out of the Marine Corps, Everything about my persona, everything about my thought process, everything about my identity was still very much a Marine. I was going to say, still tied into that, right? And and, and thank Absolutely. you, for, yeah, and thank you for bringing that up. Was, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and so I had a really unique situation in that I got off of work in on active duty on Friday, mm-hmm. and I put on a suit and 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 went to the National Cemetery on the following Monday. Hmm. And that's the struggle, right? So that's one that of the things the we struggle. we talk about often here on the show, and, and certainly something Reverend Ben would usually chime in with uh, from his, you know, perspective coming off of, uh, out of Vietnam. Uh, it's just the transition period often is difficult. So whether it was in the seventies, you know, eighties, nineties, two thousands, today, whatever the case is, the transition is still the transition. And sometimes, you know, some veterans have an easier time making that move than others. Has that been your experience as well and, and things that you've seen from others? 
Yeah. So um, I would say comparatively to some of my friends, I have had a smoother transition, hmm. but I, I've, I've been able to pinpoint exactly what made the difference. OK. And I want to talk a little bit about please. That. Um, so off rip, what I will say is this, the significant outlier that made the difference was a support system. Yeah. Right. I've been very fortunate that between my mother, my brother, I have five sisters. So between those, my family support, between me working at the Department of Veteran Affairs as my first job, that counted as a form of support. And then I'll, I'll talk about the vet center later. But family, friends and work all aligned to support me. Well, what I did not know was when I got out of the Marine Corps, my approach, my way of approaching things, the mm -hmm. way I spoke to people, the way I thought, the way I moved, as I stated earlier, was still very much 100 percent. Andrew Nelson, Staff Sergeant Nelson, United States Marine. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mesh very well in civilian life, does it? Yeah, that's a great point. And that support system is something that, unfortunately, you, you had that there, right, to your point, and some folks don't. Uh, right. And that's where, you know, the, the team at Compure Core and, and Voice and Vision uh, that help us, you know, put on this podcast, you know, there's lots of resources out there that can help uh, right. kind of shore up that support system. So that's why we do this as well as trying to get people to say, hey, look, it makes all the difference, you know, whether you have one or not, find one. Go and There's there's sure. lots of places to get a support system, but it is there uh, and it, it can make the world a difference. It does indeed. So I, I would I can say definitively, if I did not work for the Department of Veteran Affairs as my first job, I would have been terminated. Mm. Simply put, there is no way I would have made it three years in the organization because so I there was a lot of coaching that was involved from mm -hmm. the. Uh, the I don't want to mess up his title. He was the director, That'll a work. gentleman by the name of Greg Whitney, who I to this day have a lot of respect for. And more specifically, I have a lot of sincere thanks because he helped me a great deal. Um, the coaching and the mentoring that I received from him, understanding that I was a transition and veteran, he could have very well terminated me with cause immediately on some of the things that I did. There was one time where I was hosting a service. And I corrected one of the the airmen, mm -hmm. not really realizing that their culture of correcting is slightly different than the Marine Corps. Right. But furthermore, well, not really putting it together with me that I'm no right? longer in the military. Right, right, right. Yep. So it's not even my role to correct. But I saw something that was wrong and I corrected them and it, and it really created a situation in my job where I had to open my eyes. And I'm like, hey, you have to transition mentally because yeah. you're no longer in the Marine Corps. So, you know, the, the way that you're used to doing things just has to change. So I had support in that Mr. Whitney was able to coach me uh, from the perspective of leadership, but also all of my coworkers were veterans. And there was a gentleman that named Rick and Rick told me something one day when I was. So I, I went through this depression. Um, I was having issues inside of my household. I am now divorced. I was having problems connecting with my children. I was having problems mm. connecting and then selling at work. I went through kind of like an identity crisis because I went from that previous Friday where I was in charge of a shop and I had sergeants working for me. And in that following Monday, I went and I was the new guy and the lowest guy on the totem pole. Yeah. So it was very much a struggle mentally for me to adjust and adapt. And short of that, a support system, I, I would have definitely failed miserably. But but Rick said to me one time, he, he said, Drew, how long were you in the Marine Corps for? I said, 10 years. He said, so it took you 10 years to become Staff Sergeant Nelson. I said, it did. He said, you didn't join as Staff Sergeant Nelson, did you? I chuckled. I said, of course not, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And he said, so, Drew, I'm, I'm a little worried as to why you think that you will be able to normalize and go back to your normal self with yeah. the snap of a finger. And then it hit me and it clicked. That's he powerful, said, right? He said, it took you 10 years to become Staff Sergeant Nelson. You can expect around about that amount of time to come back to regular Drew again as well. So managing my expectations. So the support system and the wisdom of others who have done it before me to help me manage my expectations, because I really was expecting like, what's wrong with you, man? Why you're having this problem? Why can't you do this? Why don't you just do this? Not understanding it again. It took 10 years for me to become Staff Sergeant Nelson. So I got to go about the process of finding out who Andrew Nelson is outside of the Marine Corps. And it's not going to happen overnight. So I know for sure that that job, that support system working in the VA system was a tremendous asset for me transitioning. Yeah, Um, I missed a lot of days. When I first got out, it was the hardest. I distinctly remember several days where my depression was so heavy. um, I couldn't get out of the bed. And it was as simple as picking up the phone and calling Mr. Whitney. And he very much understood and he very much supported me and was very helpful in that. Again, if I was in another job and I couldn't perform and I couldn't come in, I don't know how things would have been handled. And I, I might not have been able to feed my family and it would have added to a level of stress that I do see a lot of my friends who are veterans transitioning. They didn't have that same cushion. So their level of stress is significantly stronger. So, yeah, support system, I would say family, work and all across the board. Well, so things were, were going not so great. My life was kind of falling apart, but mm-hmm. I was excelling in my job. I was learning my job. I was growing. I was going to school looking because my goal and my focus was I need to replace my income getting out of the Marine Corps because I got out as a staff sergeant um, with dependents. And then I started working at the VA. I was a GS-7. I hadn't quite reached the GS-11 position at the job fully entailed. Mm-hmm, right. So when I was at that GS-7 position, there was a significant pay cut. So my focus was go to school, utilize the GI Bill to offset the cost differential that I had from getting out of the Marine Corps. And I I needed laser focus to finish my degree so I could apply for jobs that put me back in the price bracket that I needed to support my family. So that was my focus. And I wasn't really able to focus on being a transitioning veteran like I should have been. So I, I hit a breaking point that most veterans hit when they don't pay attention to their mental health and they don't know the steps. I hit that breaking point and I started going to counseling with the VA, specifically at the VA and not the vet center yet. And that helped a great deal. I will say that it got me in the system. It got me therapy. Talk therapy began the process of me understanding this, man, just wild mix of emotions that I was having from transitioning. And it it helped slowly but surely chip away at that burden that was there, that kind of elephant in the room that I'll call PTSD. Um, It it slowly started chipping away at that wall that the PTSD had created that I didn't realize. And although it was a long process, I'm glad I did it. So I would say step two was reaching out and realizing I need help. I'm not transitioning as well as I I could be or even should be. Um, I'm having issues in my career. I'm having issues in my personal life. It's affecting how I feel and function every day. I need help. So I was able to get into the VA system, get counseling. I did end up getting a, a, a psychiatrist and I was taking medicine. And I'm sure a lot of veterans can relate to this. That medicine really, really, really made me feel like a zombie. Yeah. I couldn't relate to myself. I didn't, when I looked in the mirror, I saw somebody, but it wasn't me. Kind of hard to get back to Andrew Nelson, right? Whenever you're kind of feeling like you're in this fog with that. So, 
And well, even more so, Mark, not even hard to get back to Andrew Nelson, but at this point, who is Andrew Nelson? Yeah, great point. Right? I joined the Marine Corps at 19, and for 10 years, my identity revolved around being a Marine. Yeah. Um, and then I went through a five-day class on how to be a civilian, and it went went into the world. <laughs> right. Five-day five day class, right? So a few things could have been missing in there. I mean, that's a, that's a great story. It's a powerful story. It's a great message about you know identifying the fact that you need that support system, and you need to say, I've got to get some help to help me move this situation through. So thank you so much, man, for sharing that. Um, I mean, that in and of itself is very, very powerful. So what are you doing these days? So that was, you know, obviously you talked a little bit about your first gig out of there. Uh, so these days, um, I know I'm going to mess this up, but Desigra, is that correct? Well, yeah. So Desigra is it. So that's a board that I sit on. That is not my full time job. Okay. But I do sit on a board called Desigra. It's the Delaware County Interactive Gaming Revenue Authority. Oh, OK. And I was appointed to that board by the Delaware County Council. And in short, what it does is it takes revenues from interactive gaming, like uh, casinos like Harris, Caesars, mm, okay. they're, they're casinos that have a presence here in Delaware County. And the state mandate is that a, a portion, uh, I believe it's 2% of their quarterly revenues are to be redistributed to this authority for donations. Um, the donations we have right now cover emergency services, economic development, investments in youth programming and then I, I believe that the the order states and any other things that would meet the needs of the community so the board has also established targets that they want to specifically invest in um new age youth so any kind of programs that do developmental programs for children and also food insecurity gotcha and with included in that of course emergency services food insecurity um it is specifically programs that can help veterans. So part of the work in DeSigra will be for that because any kind of food insecurity and housing insecurity is going to directly affect veterans because we do know that a, a significant portion of the homeless population we have here in the United States are veterans. Yeah, yeah. And so you're still kind of dipping your toe in that in those waters of of giving back and helping the veteran community as well. That's fantastic. Um, and you ran, did a little run for Delaware City Council as well, yeah? Or I did Delaware, Delaware County, County Council. Council. Yeah, thank you. I did. Yep. So back in 2019, I, I ran for County Council. Um, at that time, I was working on a borough management firm for Yaden, which was my second job after I left the Department of Veteran Affairs. Gotcha. I was there for about a year. Um, and, and as soon as I ended up, so I did not get the county endorsement, which would, would have been required for me to move forward in the process of County Council. Because I didn't get the county endorsement, I ended up resigning out of the race and endorsing the the three who got the county endorsement so we can move forward collectively. And right after that, I started my current role where my, my job is currently. I'm the, the CFO of the Stormwater Authority in the city of Chester, which is in Delaware County. Fantastic, man. Great story. You know, it's it's it just goes to show, right? Like in, in order, sometimes you just have to figure out how to re, I just really love that message, like how to rebuild, but also just how to refigure out who am I? Like, cause I'm not Absolutely. the same person uh, that, you know, may have been in on some combat tours. And even if you weren't on combat tours, just spending five, 10, you know, my daughter's in the day, she signed up for 10 years. She's in the Navy. She's on year four, you know, yeah. and I can already see she's a different person when I do get Absolutely. the chance to talk yeah. to her. You don't have to go to combat for it to affect no. Absolutely not. Right. So and, and so you can all need some help. And so I know we, we want to be respectful of your time and our listeners time. So we'll wrap this up here in just a second.
second. Uh, but what we try to do, Andrew, as we finish up, you know, any, I mean, you've already done such a great job of kind of a, a, relaying a message of, of hope and things of that nature, but anything you'd like to share with fellow veterans out there that are checking this out that feel like, hey, I, what's the first step or what can I do, you know, to, to get myself going on the right road? Yeah. So just simply put four things that helped me. I was able to take notes, four things. Um, and, and it's highlighted in my story. I would say, number one, veterans, uh, make sure when you get out. So when we were on active duty, we had a purpose, right? And all of our work was aligned with purpose. So when you get out, I would say, find work that suits you and gives you purpose, mm. right? Where should you look? You should certainly look in jobs that would be understanding to veterans, because from real life experience as a transitioning veteran, if the job understands what that means and is able to give you reasonable accommodations, that's a good thing. Seek therapy and a support system, and they're both synonymous. Your therapy is part of your support system, and it's very imperative. And then the only other thing I would do is a call to action to all people. I would say, hey, if you know a veteran, just because that veteran may appear on the outside that they don't have any wounds, it's a solid chance that they have tremendous emotional baggage and wounds. Mm. So my call to action to all people working with and around veterans um, come from a place of understanding because it's very, it's very hard. It is a uh, identity crisis. It is. You're trained to have a certain perspective that doesn't necessarily mesh well with a civilian and transitioning back into becoming a civilian is not an easy feat. So just try to be understanding. If you know veterans, recommend therapy to them, push a support system. Comp here is a is an excellent program that Rob told me about. I'm going to continue to work with them and see how we can grow that organization to help. But that would that, that would be the main things. Jobs that understand you, therapy, support system, and find a person. And my call to action to everybody that's not a veteran, if you see a veteran, pass this information to them. And please do it in love because they're likely struggling. Man, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being here. We'll have links to various different things on the show notes, as we usually do, to Comp here and Voice and Vision uh, and various different links. Uh, so if you need some help, again, great points from Andrew. Reach out and get started today. So don't you know? subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast with others that might uh, benefit from the messages of the different veterans and folks and service people we have on here. You can find it on Apple and Spotify and uh, the YouTube platforms. And, of course, you can always reach out to the team here on Untold Valor with the links that we'll have again in the show notes. So thanks so much for being here and checking out this edition of Untold Valor, Veterans Recovery in Action. Andrew Nelson, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mark. A pleasure meeting you. Have a great day. We'll see you next time right here on the podcast. You've been listening to Untold Valor by Voice and Vision. We hope you found the information and resources discussed today helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. Remember to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to visit the website, voiceandvisioninc.org. That's voiceandvisioninc.org, where you can sign up for our blog and find free resources and information on upcoming events, webinars, workshops, and get support. You can also access our free help and hope guide for individuals and families struggling with substance use and addiction. If someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help because you and your life matter. Remember, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available to you at any time by dialing 988. 
We are all ambassadors of hope and recovery. And if you want to share your story, please contact us. Compure Corps is also looking for veteran mentor volunteers and veteran participants. To find out more information about Compure Corps, please call 610-541-0790. That's 610-541-0790. You can find all the links and contact information for the resources mentioned on today's episode by checking the description and the show notes section of your app. Thank you again for tuning in and for your support. Until next time, this has been Untold Valor.